Amen. All right. Welcome to North Point. We had a, a lightning strike this week up here, and that's why a lot of the stuff's out. And the sounds are out. Uh, boy, the Holy Spirit is among us this morning. I guarantee you, you don't want to steal my mask and wear it, because I've slobbered all in it while we, <laughs> while we were singing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now I know why we wear them. If y'all had been 20 foot in front of me, you'd have got covered up. I want to thank you ladies. Her mic kept going out, but I never knew no difference because y'all were singing and it was beautiful. Y'all were singing. Y'all never skipped a beat. Y'all all right. It's a Palm Sunday. And I'm excited about it. I uh, looked up some things. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, looked up some things about it. In about Palm Sunday. I Googled it as everybody does. And uh, let me read it first. Let me read it first. Matthew, it's not on your, on your outlines or in the thing, but Matthew 21 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Today my dad's been gone six years. He's getting to celebrate that in heaven today. He celebrates that. I've never known my dad to wave from, from. But I guarantee you, he's waving something this morning. I know he is. And, and I'm so excited about that. But I looked up some things. What, what was up? That's why I have on purple today. If it wasn't for my daughter-in-law, I wouldn't even have a purple shirt on. But purple is symbolic of, of royalty. And Jesus was king of kings. Amen. King of kings. The, fron, the palm fronds were, were symbolic of victory. In him we have victory. And the donkey, it was peace. He came in peace. Humble. Mm, happy Palm Sunday. I can't wait to see you next week. But I've received a lot of encouraging notes and, and, and PMs, as we call it, in the, what is it, Cyberland, thanking uh, uh, North Point for the weekend messages and and the services that are that are live streamed and and during this pandemic, uh, encouraging messages for us making the right decisions that uh, 
we would keep the folks of North Point safe for protecting them. But I think a lot of folks sent me messages that they just needed a fresh start. In 2021, maybe a year after the pandemic started, they just need a fresh start. I think a lot of us need a fresh start. Would you say amen to that? I think we do need that. So today I want to look at what God tells us uh, to do, as Fred was praying a while ago, whenever we need a fresh start. The Old Testament and the New Testament are filled uh, with examples that tells us that God is a God of second chances. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God of starting over. And he's a God of fresh starts. The first example I want to give you is that I, I love the message translation here. Our paraphrase, God said this in Zechariah, I'll save the people of Joseph. I know their pain and I'll make them good as new. They'll get a fresh start as if nothing has ever happened. Why? Because I am their God and I'll do what needs to be done for them. That's an incredible promise, isn't it? An incredible uh, uh, a promise. You know, you know, ain't you glad to know that God knows what you've done or did, and he'll do whatever it, it takes to give you and I a fresh start. He'll do whatever it takes. Hosea 14.5 says, I will make a fresh start with Israel. They will burst into bloom like a crocus in the spring. Like a crocus in the spring. A blossom. Man, I want to be a blossom. Y'all want to be a blossom? I want to be a big purple blossom today. Psalm 115, 14 says, God gives a hand to those down on their luck. And he gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. Have you felt like giving up? This week, have you felt like throwing in the towel? Have, have you felt like just quitting? Then I want to tell you, you picked a good day to come worship with us at North Point Church. Because we're going to talk to you. I'm going to give you some scripture. I want to tell you first, it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. To go after that dream that God has given you. I got to ask you, man, what dream has, has God given you? And then I want to ask you, when are you going to get started on it? When are you going to get going? Somebody used to tell me when I was young, I don't remember who it was, but he said, one of these days is none of these days. One of these days is, is none of these days. God gives us a, 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 some simple steps to a fresh start. It's just for you nerds, I put it into an acronym. Start, S-T-A-R-T. I know that's nerdy, but you'll be all right. If you're filling in your blanks, I want to get going. The S is for stop making excuses for not starting. Stop making excuses for not starting. Have you ever been around folks that, that are, are really good at, at making excuses? Y'all know, know what I'm talking about. Don't look at them. But what I found out with people that make excuses, 
They're rarely good at anything else. They're just rarely good at anything else. The biggest barrier to our success is our excuses. It's the biggest barrier. And I wrote down four common excuses that I, that I hear from folks uh, at, at North Point. If you're filling in your outlines, I know you just have to do it on the Bible app now, and I don't know how to get there. If it was me, if I was y'all, I'd bring a legal pad, and I would write it down. Excuse number one is this. I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. Lots of examples in the Bible of this, and, and I really like the one about Gideon. And uh, God wanted to use Gideon to free his people. And I want to read something, a scripture out of Judges. To you. It says, Then Gideon started making excuses. He said, But Lord, how can I save the nation of Israel? I belong to the Manasseh, the smallest tribe. And my family is the weakest and the poorest family in the tribe. He's really good at making excuses. And he said, And I'm also the youngest and the least important person in my family. And the Lord replied, I love this, but I'll be with you. I will be with you. What he's saying is, Gideon. What he's saying is, Bob. What he's saying is, Tim, you're not going to do this by yourself. I'm not calling you to, to do this by yourself. God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And, and if I'm going to be with you, that means you can rely on my power. He says, if I'm going to be with you, that means you can rely on my presence. If I'm going to be with you, that means you can rely on my promises. If I'm going to be with you, then you can rely on my protection. you got nothing to worry about. you got nothing to worry about. Remember what I told you last week? One plus God is a majority. Amen? One plus God is a majority. Excuse number two. I've failed in the past. We hear those excuses a lot. I failed in the past. So what? Welcome to the human race. You failed in the past. I got this on my Facebook static, that you're a product of your past, but you're not a prisoner of your past. You're a product, but you're not a prisoner. You're only a victim if it's your choice. You're a victim by choice. I know other people and I know circumstances have, have scarred you. But, you but, but they can't hurt you unless you keep, let, keep allowing them to hurt you. Amen? Unless you keep allowing them to rent space in your head. It's past. It's over. It doesn't. As your pastor, somebody loves you, I want to tell you, your past doesn't have to control you anymore. It doesn't have to control you anymore. God's far more interested in your future than in your past. Isaiah 43, the Lord says this, Do not cling to events of the past and do not dwell on what happened long ago. What's for the new thing that I'm going to do? It is happening already just look, and you can see it starting now. Man, I can just see that little monkey on Lion King hitting the guy about to pass. You know, that, that's the past. It's over. 
It's over. Admit your mistakes, confess your sins, and move on. Amen? It's in the past. Don't let the past control you. Proverbs 28, 13, it says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. He gets another chance. A fresh start. Does anybody want a fresh start? Excuse number three. There are things that I can't control. <laughs> Duh. There are things that I can't control. Of course there are. I got news for you, control freaks, me being one of them. Most things are beyond our control. Most things are beyond our control. There's things that you're not going to be in control of and you never will be. Amen? We have to live our lives for God. And do whatever he has called us to do in the middle of uncontrollable circumstances. We got to control the controllables and trust God for the rest of it. Let me say that is really good. We got to control the controllables. And then we got to trust God for the rest. I better walk in somebody's house this week and see it on a refrigerator. It's because some of you guys are control freaks. I know. I've been around you. I know because I see it in me. Now, what can I control then, Jim? Well, you can control your attitudes. You can control your reactions. You can control how much you choose to trust God. Those are the things that you can control. Amen? So what are they? Attitudes, reactions, and just how much you trust God. That's what you can control. Now, this doesn't mean we just don't do nothing and just coast before you get that into your head. Proverbs 24.10 says, don't give up and act helpless in times of trouble. That ought to be in your, on your refrigerator too. I got to ask you, have you stopped trying? Have you just stopped trying? I'll tell you guys, during trying times, you got to keep trying. You got to keep going. We've kind of adopted an attitude of, at North Point that, that, that limitations are just opportunities for creativity. We just got creative in ministry during this time. Well, let me say that again. Limitations are just opportunities for creativity. There's a lot of trouble in the world right now, but we are not helpless I told you before that I've noticed that the people who are complaining the most are the ones that are not serving others. Ooh, I just bit my mouth. That was so professional of me, wasn't it? Let me say it again. Y'all ever done that? Just bite the side of your mouth. I guess he was just flopping around in there and I bit the side of it. 
<laughs> the people who are complaining the most are the ones that are not serving others. They're just complaining because their, their wants are not being met. Excuse number four. I don't know what the future holds. I want to tell you, if that's your excuse, you're right. Ecclesiastes 11, 4 says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. So what do I do? Well, here's what I want you to do. Take stock of what you have. Take stock of what you have. What does that mean? Make a list of what you get, got to work with. Take a personal inventory. Well, how do I do that, Jim? I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself real quick. Question number one, what are my assets? What are my assets? We just had a class on it yesterday. Uh, one of your greatest assets are, are your shape, your, your, uh, which is an acronym for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personalities, experience. Look at those assets. What do you have? Look at, look at your physical assets, your education, your, your, your financial, your spiritual assets. Guys, you're a child of God. You've got plenty of assets. Colossians 2.10. Where am I at here? You have everything when you have Christ. You are filled with God through your union with Christ. He is the highest ruler with authority over every other power. Guys, you and me, we don't have to know the, the key men if we know the man that holds the keys. Amen. Second question to ask yourself is this. What have I learned? What have I learned? Sit down and write what you have, have learned over the past year, over the past week, over the past two days. Sit down and write some life lessons. Whether it's about your family, whether it's about God, whether it's about your career. Galatians 3, 4 says, you have experienced many things. Were all those experiences wasted? I hope not. I hope not. <clears throat> Guys, don't waste your experiences. Especially, especially the painful ones. Don't waste those. If a painful experience has come to your mind when I say that, pay attention to it. Learn from your past. Learn from your mistakes. Here's what I want you to stop doing. Rehearsing it. Stop rehearsing those mistakes. Stop rehearsing that pain. I love this right here. Don't call it a failure. Call it an education. Guys, don't call it a failure. Call it an education. Some of us are highly educated. Amen? Amen? I know I am. But you also can learn from Bible teaching. Like you're getting right now, I hope. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, You should continue following the teachings you learned. You know they are true because you trust those who taught you. Who taught you. The third question you ask yourself is, Who could help me? Who could help me? Proverbs 15, 22 says, Get all the advice you can and you'll succeed. Without it, you'll fail. One of the most common reasons 
that folks fail to reach their dreams is ego. Ego, a three-letter word. You fail to reach your dreams because of ego, just pride. You're too proud to ask for advice. You're too proud to take advice. The Bible says that pride leads to destruction. But God gives grace to the humble. Why? Because the humble are teachable. The humble are teachable. You're never going to get a fresh start if you believe you've already arrived. Do you want a fresh start? Then you need to, you need to become humble. You're never going to get a fresh start if you think you already know it all. If you think you already have arrived. Let's go to the A. Well, we just now in the, in the third letter. Ooh, act in faith. Act in faith. You know, God isn't moved by our complaints. But he's moved by our faith. Matthew 9, 29. I'm going to go through these real quick. According to your faith, it will be done to you. Well, how do I know when, I, when I'm acting in faith? Well, you know you're acting in faith when you attempt to do something that you couldn't do on your own power. You know you're acting in faith when you do something that scares you. Because it'll force you to rely on God. Did you know that goal setting is an act of faith? Because what you're saying is, God, you know, with your help, I'm expecting to accomplish this by then. By this date. And that kind of goal is, is a statement of faith. You know, most people never set goals for their life. Around the earth, only 1% do. Did y'all know why? 1% of people set goals. Because of fear of failure. Which is a lack of faith. That's a lack of faith. Well, how can I set goals when I don't know how long this, this pandemic is going to last? I'm going to tell you how I set goals. I guess you could call it somewhat of a scenario. Scenario goal setting. What does that mean? Well, I set up multiple goals. I, I, I think of multiple plans depending upon which scenario happens. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's just this. I'll do this if this happens. And I'll do this if that happens. Now, some of you guys may not think that I'm that smart. I sure am. <laughs> scenario planning. I, th I try to think of things that could go wrong. I try to think of things that may not happen. Just scenario planning. Proverbs uh, 16, 9 says, we should make plans, counting on God to direct us. Make our plans, but count on God to direct us. The second thing is, 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 is you could just focus on character goals rather than activity goals. That, that you could uh, work on these character goals without knowing the future. Amen? You, you could work on those anytime. You know, uh, what, what I'm saying is what you want to be goals instead of what you want to do goals. Amen? 
You can work on your character. And some of you guys could use a lot of work. <laughs> Just kidding, I could too. What kind of person do I want to be at the end of this year? Maybe I want to be a more giving person. Maybe I want to be a less sarcastic person. I've been working on that for about 30 years now. <laughs> Ever since I met Jesus, he said, I need to work on that. How can I become more like Christ by the end of the year? What weaknesses, what weaknesses do I need to, to work on? God's more, far more interested in our character than, than what we do. You're not taking your career to heaven, but we're taking our character. That's what we're taking. Hebrews 11, 6 eight says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Act in faith. So I want to ask you guys, what faith goals for the rest of this year will you set this week? It's your homework. It's your homework. I believe that most of you will do it. You'll sit down with a legal pad and you'll write out your faith goals that you can work on. The R stands for this. Refocus my mind. Refocus my mind. If you want to change your life, you've got to change the way you think first. Change the way you think first. Changing your thoughts is a key to a fresh start in any area. Whether it's marriage, whether it's career, you, you know, whatever it might be. Becoming humble is changing your thoughts. Ephesians 4.23, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Fresh thoughts, fresh attitude. How do I do this? Write this down. Listen more to God's word than the world. Listen more to God's word than the world. Psalm 1, 1, 3. Happier those who are always meditating on God's word. They're like trees along a river that do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. Now, I, not many people ever ride with me in my truck. But sometimes they do. And do you know what? I, especially my family members. I'm not going to call my wife's name out. Every time they get in my truck, one of the first things they do is try to change my radio. No way, Jose. I listen to 88.9 and that is it. And do you know why? I want to change my way of thinking. I want to think about whatever God has want me to think about. And I can't do that listening to other radio stations. My son gets in my truck. He wants to thump, thump, and rap. No. 88.9, leave your hands off the radio. I gotta change the way I think. I gotta change the way I think. And that's why that I'm such a good person. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. One out of two or three hundred said amen. Here's the second thing I want you to think about. Think about what I think about. Think about what I think about. How do you refocus your mind? Think about what you think about. 
What were you saying? Whatever you think about, don't automatically accept it. What I'm saying is challenge your thoughts. Challenge those thoughts, especially before you type it on Facebook. Got a bunch of amens on that. Challenge the thoughts. Is it really true? Challenge that thought. Is it really helpful? Guys, if you don't like the way you feel right now, change the way you think. Change the way you think. Replace it with different thoughts. You don't have to believe in every thought that you have. It's a choice. Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. The T, we're, we're getting close to the end, almost. Trust that God knows what he's doing. We got to trust that God knows what he's doing. You don't know. You don't know. Let me get this right again. You don't know, but you can trust that God knows. You can trust that God is working and he is preparing you and me for a fresh start. Often we can't see it. But here's the thing. Even if we could see it, we probably wouldn't understand it. But God's plans and his imitations for our lives is always good. And you can trust him. Even when you don't understand it. See, I run into people all the time. They got to understand it. They got to understand it. You know what I say to y'all? Go ahead on and live a frustrated life. I'm just going to trust. Be frustrated. I want to close. Starting to close anyway. I've been starting to close, I know, for the last 20 minutes. With a principle and a promise. Let me give you the background of this, this principle. I'm really getting close now. God told Jeremiah to go to a, to a potter's house. And it was kind of what Fred was talking about a while ago. He said, Jeremiah, you go watch that potter make some, some clay pots on, on a wheel table. He said, I'll give you a message there. Jeremiah 18, 4 says, when the clay pot that the potter was forming on the wheel didn't turn out the way he intended, he simply started over using the same clay to make a new pot. Oh, Jeremiah, he got three points from this, sir, this little verse, just like any good preacher. Number one, sometimes things don't turn out the way you intended. Sometimes things don't turn out the way you intended. Number two, when that hop happens, the potter just starts all over again. I love that. And number three, the potter uses the same clay. He doesn't throw it out. He just reshapes it. Do you get it? He just reshapes it. And then God uses it. Jeremiah 18. This is where he explained it in 5 6. Then God said to Jeremiah, Can I not do with you as the potter does? Just as the potter works the clay in his hand, so are you in my hand, and I am working on you. 
Woo! That's the principle and the promise. Now, I don't know what you've gone through in the past year, past week, past 24 hours. You, have, you might have made a mess out of your life. It may have been marred by some terrible decisions of, of, of other people or terrible decisions of your own. Your clay pot may be cracked, which would make you a crack pot. <laughs> you may be scarred. Maybe your life hasn't turned out as you intended. I want to tell you this. You are not the potter. God is the potter. You are not the potter. God is the potter. You are the clay. You are the clay. God don't throw out the clay. It's got a crack in it. God don't throw out the, the clay that's been misshaped by circumstances or, or bad decisions. He throws it back on the wheel. And he, and he takes it in his firm, loving hands. And he reshapes it. For his use. For his glory. He's not throwing you away. He takes all the good and the bad and, and the ugly. And he puts it back on the wheel. Ooh. This is what it means. To get a fresh start. Jesus calls it being born again. 2 Corinthians 5 says, when he, anyone becomes united with Christ, he becomes a new person inside. He is not the same anymore. The old life is gone, and a fresh new life has begun. God specializes in fresh starts and, and new beginnings. When Jesus came in on that gentle colt. He promised us victory. I want to fast forward it to the future. Remember the donkey is a symbol of peace. I want to read you something. Bear with me. It's a, I'm going to read you the whole chapter of Revelations 21. Because Jesus is coming back. This time it ain't going to be on no donkey. It's going to be on a horse. Now as you make your decision. Whether to accept Jesus Christ or not. Today before you leave. I want you to consider. Whose team. You're going to be on. Revelations 19. I'm going to read it all because it's just wonderful. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice 
of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of His servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and, and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen and Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. The bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you. And your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Hang on to this right here. Then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury and the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured. And with it the false prophet who in his presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on a horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Jesus Christ is coming back. It'll be different. He's coming back to right the wrongs and to set the scales even. Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Which side will you be on? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your return. And I eagerly look forward to it. Lord, help us to do what we got to do to get the word out about you. And your saving knowledge that all who hear these words. Lord, bless your word that was read today. I pray that many would be born again. 
Lord, I love you and I trust you. Lord, I pray for a fresh start. And I know there's someone here today that, 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 that they feel a little bit like that crack pot, that pot that's misshaped, that pot that can't pour water, that pot that can't do what they thought it would be intended to do. Lord, convict them that you are the potter, not them. They're the clay. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I know this is against everything that, that we do, but if you want to come pray, please come do it. Just get apart from one another. Don't go all over one another. But if you need to come to the altar and pray, pray. Amen? Amen. Let's sing something.